Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning, North Bible Church. How are you guys doing this morning? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, uh, before we dive in, just a quick thank you. We know that uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. One of my favorite phrases related to Memorial Day weekend is that uh, all gave some, when we think about the men and women who've served uh, our nation and served in the armed forces, uh, all gave some, but we know that some gave all and, and gave their very life for the causes of freedom. So uh, can we just give a round of applause to representing the families and the people who served our nation, served our country, served the world in the area of freedom. We're so, so grateful. Uh, for the service. If uh, you and I have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Chad Allen. I'm the new lead pastor here at North Bible Church. Uh, again, I just want to continue. I'll probably be saying this for weeks. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys have been so warm and welcoming and receptive to our family, and we're so glad to be here. It's truly a joy. And our time together today, uh, our hope here as a staff, as elders, is that your time this morning here will encourage you, that it will nourish your soul and that it will help you take your next steps in growing into a more personal, intimate relationship with Christ. That's, that's why we're here, and uh, we're going to be moving into our teaching time that will help us uh, hopefully accomplish that. So I was talking to my daughters yesterday, and I asked them about times in our relationship where I said something. I said I was going to do something or follow up on something, and I accomplished that, and times I didn't. I said, what, what comes to your mind? And so my oldest, Isabel, she said, well, when we moved from California to Ohio, you know, we've been to Disneyland, but you said we would go to Disney World because we're closer there now. Well, after 12 years of Ohio, that never happens, all right? So major epic dad fail, right? I said I would do something, and I didn't follow through, and that was disappointing. But then on the other side, she said, you told me that when I was 15 and I'd start to learn to drive. And then, you know, as we got into 16 to 17, you would help me learn to drive. And we spent hours in the car teaching her how to drive. I followed through. I said, uh, I did what I said I would do. And that was like, dad win, right? Uh, Faith relayed times that uh, she loves to play games. I like to play games. My, my favorite way to invite my uh, family to play a game with me is like, hey, would you like to have your feelings hurt? Because I'm competitive and I like to win. And so there have been many times when I've told Faith I'd hurt her feelings by playing the game with her, but I hurt her feelings by not playing the game with her. I didn't follow through. That was a disappointment. Dad failed. But then there were times when she said, you said you'd play a game, and you did play a game, or you said we'd go on a hike, and we did go on a hike, and, and those were Dad wins. That she'd learned that, that I could follow through um, on, on what I said I'd do. It's, it's my desire, like I know I'm not crushing it in this area, and probably some of you can say like I'm not crushing it in this area too, but I know uh, I desire to be a person that whatever I say I'm going to do, I do it. I want my wife to know that, I want my kids to know that, I want my family, friends to know that, I want you to know that, that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm, I'm going to follow through. I think that's a desire of your heart, that when you tell the people uh, in your home, your life, your relationships, the people you work with, whatever, that you're going to do something that you follow through and, and you're going to do it. That's especially important in relationship with children. That, that a big part of being a parent is that you follow through with that what you say you're going to do. I'll fix your bike. I'll take you on that trip. I'll show up. I'll help you with your homework. I'll do whatever. And that we build credibility and trust with our children when we follow up and we actually do what we say we're going to do. And so a big part of a parent's job is to build credibility and trust by following up on doing what we said we're going to do. A big part of a child's job is to 
trust their parents, that they're going to be who they say they're going to be and do what they said they're going to do. You know, God is the creator of the universe. He's high, he's lifted up, he's majestic, he's holy, but he's also a heavenly father. And he wants to know us intimately and personally. And so he has a flawless record when it comes to following through on what he said he's going to do. Flawless. Some of you are going, time out, Pastor Chad, like, I've been praying for this one thing and it hasn't happened. Well, did God promise that to you? Because if he didn't promise that he's going to do that, then you're kind of holding to him a standard that he didn't commit to. But one thing we do know about God and his promises, we look at some of the promises in Scripture that maybe haven't come to fruition yet, and here's what we learn about God. His promises might be delayed, but they are not denied. You study the Scriptures. When God says he's going to do something, he follows through. It might not be in the timeline that the people want, but God's going to follow up. He's faithful to follow through. And so he's our father. We're his children. We're his beloved children. Our job is to trust him and believe him at his word. And so when you study the life of the people of God, this nation, Israel, and all of us, the church, unfolded into Israel, when you look at Israel as an example of the relationship of believing and trusting God at his word, as w- of what he said he's going to do, they were at their weakest, and they were at their worst when they didn't believe God. They were at their weakest and the worst when they did not take God at his word and believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And they were at their best when they believed God and that he would do what he said he's going to do. And so what we're going to be doing is keeping that in mind as we're kicking off a brand new summer teaching series today in the Old Testament book of the Bible called Joshua. And so uh, open up your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to the book of Joshua. A quick note on that. If for some reason you do not have a Bible, you do not own a Bible, we have some Bibles at the guest reception area that are yours as a gift for free, all right? So if you don't actually have a Bible, own a Bible, you can get a hardback. There's something so special about touching the Bible, reading it, highlighting it, making notes. You can do that. That is allowed. Um, that, that's so important. Now, if you don't have that or you want the one that's accessible, you can download Bible apps onto your phone or your devices and have those accessible to you as well. But we're going to be in this book of Joshua, and this is an appropriate book for us as a church. Because when you study the book of Joshua, it's a bridge book. It, it's, it's, it's God taking a people from one season to another. And he's taking them from the Exodus out of Egypt to this land that he promised his people, to a land he said that he would give them. And he appoints a new leader to take him into that land that he had for them. And so in the same way, we're in a season that we're all experiencing newness. That we've had a, a, a beautiful season as a church in the past, but now there's a new leader who's trying to ask God, like, where do you want us to go? And so we're collectively praying, God, what do you have for North? Where do you want us to go? And whatever we believe you're telling us in your word and through your spirit, we want to be faithful to take you at your word and follow and obey and trust. And so it's a very appropriate uh, book for us to kick off for the summer as we journey to where the Lord's going to lead us as a community trying to live on mission for Christ. Now, anytime you start a new series, especially a book of the Bible, uh, you just need a little extra time on the front end. So today's message will be 65 minutes. It's a joke, okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, bring it on. Some of you are like, oh gosh, the kids. Um, but we're gonna spend a little extra time on the front in unpacking just some context so that we can move into the book. Now, one thing I wanna let you know is we're gonna take a chapter a week and teach the summer. 
But there's 24 weeks in the book of Joshua. We're not going to go through all of the books. And we're not going to teach every single verse in every single chapter, all right? Some of you are like, no, that's not the correct way to teach the Bible. No, that, that's, it's perfectly fine. But what we're going to do is give you a chapter. Every week we're going to do a chapter. But we're not going to be teaching, okay? I just want you to know this. We're not going to be teaching on chapters 11 through 22. You're welcome to read those on your own. But basically, chapters 11 through 22 are a lot of specific details to the military conquest that took place while Joshua and the Israelites were moving into the land of Canaan and taking the land. Also, there's a lot of real estate given to the, the, the distribution of the land. And so there's just a lot of content there. There's some great content there, some fascinating history and knowledge. You're welcome to read that. But we're going to focus on basically every other chapter and draw themes and emphasis out of each chapter that we spend time on. Uh, I am going to give you some homework, an opportunity. Uh, you'll find uh, these little bookmarks out in the guest reception area, some tables out there. If you didn't get one, grab one. Uh, what they have is they have the date every Sunday coming up for the summer and the chapter we're going to be in. Uh, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to read the chapter before you show up here. Because you're already doing the work. Like, please don't be those people who are like, oh, I'm going to show up to church, and I'm going to show up for like, you know, 45 minutes, and that's going to carry me. Like that little hit in God's Word is going to carry me, right? So let's come prepared for our time together. So each week, uh, there's a chapter. So did you read chapter one for today? Did you do it? No, you didn't do it, did you? So disappointing. Just joking. <laughs> but you can read it again. All right, but for next Sunday, have read chapter two before you get here. Okay, the following Sunday, read chapter three. If you're not here, you're on vacation, read the chapter. You don't miss out. Then you can watch online and kind of keep up. And so these are available out there. It'll be on our social media as well. You can follow through. So there's, there's one to recommend. Also, for those of you who like reading, how many of you like reading? All right, people like reading, all right? Uh, a last-minute entry here, a summer-recommended reading book if you want to really drill down and get the most out of this series. It's a book called Victorious Christian Living. It's written by uh, a pastor named Alan Redpath. Great book. It really, um, I really like the angle he takes on the book of Joshua. And so if you want a good summer reading book to maximize what we're going to be going through over the next few months, I recommend this book, Victorious Christian Living. It'll be a good read, a good compliment for your time in this series. Now, we're calling the series, He Said. There's a lot of different ways you can kind of package a Bible book when you teach it. But this term he said came to my mind because we're emphasizing that this book is about a leader and a people operating by faith in what God said to them. This is all about believing what God said. He said this. He said that. Are we going to op operate on that? Are we going to follow up on that? And so uh, God made promises to the people of Israel, and God keeps his word. So if God says he's going to do something, he will. In fact, if you were to look at the entire book of Joshua and pick one verse that best summarizes the whole book, it would be Joshua 21.45. If some of you are looking for a new memory verse, like, what would be a good verse to memorize as we study this book? This is the one I would recommend. Joshua 21.45 says, Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. That's because God keeps his word. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. Now, many people make this book about the example of Joshua and for God's call to make him be strong and courageous. It's not a bad take from the book, but there's really a much bigger emphasis that we want to make sure we don't miss out on. Uh, 
and the lesson that the book of Joshua holds. So although this book is named after the main character, if you will, Joshua, the book is not really about Joshua. It's about Joshua's God. So as we read it, our, 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 our takeaway is not to be, be like Joshua. It's to believe God at his word, like Joshua did and like the Israelites did. So that's going to be the emphasis to what we're going to do because whenever they acted upon what God said, they did well. And whenever they didn't, it didn't go well for them. Now, uh, the book of Joshua is a culmination of Israel's journey to the promised land. Here we see God fulfilling his promise. And as the book picks up, it's going to dump them. And there's a little um, phrase here I want to get to in a moment. It's going to dump them right at the border of the Jordan River before they cross into the promised land. And so we see this call to be strong and courageous, to be strong and courageous, to be strong and courageous. And that's a great takeaway for us. But make sure, this is what we have to do now, the hard work, that we don't misunderstand this call to be strong and courageous. And so the big idea I really have for you this morning, for us this morning, is this. Real courage, we're going to talk about courage. Real courage is not self-confident. It's God-confident. That's the lesson Joshua's learning. That's the lesson that Israelites learning, that real strength, real courage, it's not about being confident in yourself, a human-generated confidence. It's a, confident in, a confidence in who God is and what he says, just like our children. We want our children to learn to be, to, to be confident on their own, but ultimately as a parent, who's caring for them, we want them to grow in their confidence of who we are and what we do. And so courage is not self-confident, it is God-confident. So that when we come up against life challenges, when we deal with life's obstacles, when we deal with life's pains and problems, our strength and our courage come not from who we are. It doesn't come from what we say. It doesn't come from what we can do. But our strength and our courage comes from who God is, from what God says, and from what God can do. Amen? So with that, let's pray, and we're going to dive in. Father, thank you so much for your word. Every page, every word of your word holds lessons, it holds encouragement, it holds conviction, it holds direction, it holds insight. I pray that right now as we step into this moment that you would absolutely open our eyes so that we would see what you want us to see. You would open up our ears so that we would hear what you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We'd open up our hearts, and Lord, that you would help us to make the shifts in our lives to align ourselves to obedience and trust in who you are and what you say. So have your way with us right now as we open your word. We ask in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. All right, Joshua 1. Get in your Bibles, your Bible apps to Joshua 1. And I'm just going to read a little bit, teach a little bit, read a little bit, teach a little bit. We're not doing the whole thing, but just the first 11 verses today. You can read the rest on your own. Here's what we see. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Notice here, who spoke first in this book? Who spoke first? The Lord. The Lord spoke first. He initiated the conversation, right? And so he speaks to Joshua, and the first topic is the commissioning of Joshua as the next leader of Israel in the wake of the death of Moses. 
Now, if you're not familiar with Joshua, if it's been a while since you've remembered who Joshua is, let's just look at his bio a little bit. Here's what we know about Joshua. He was born into slavery in Egypt to parents who were slaves in Egypt, which means he saw the plagues in Egypt. He, saw, he was part of the exodus out of Egypt. He saw the parting of the Red Sea. He saw all the plagues. He saw um, and experienced and tasted the, the, the heavenly bread that God supernaturally provided his people as they were wandering through the wilderness. He ate manna. He drank water from the rock that was hit and gushed water in the middle of the wilderness. He, he drank from that water. We see him mentioned by name for the first time in Exodus 17, when all of a sudden uh, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. And there's a moment there where if, if, you're, if, you're a Bible, if you're familiar with the Bible, Moses goes up on a hill and he's holding up a staff and Aaron and her are there. But it's Joshua down in the valley fighting the fight. He's the military commander. He's the soldier. He's Moses' right-hand guy. Uh, we see Joshua on the Mount Sinai, part of Mount Sinai, with Moses. He's getting the law. We see him standing outside as guard in the tent of meeting. When Moses would meet with God, Joshua got like a front row seat to, to some of what was going on there in that moment. Joshua was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent into the land of Canaan. If you're familiar with that account, 12 spies went in. How many spies came back with a good report? Pop quiz, how many? One. Two, nice try, one. Yes, one plus. And their names are Joshua and Caleb. The other 10, oh man, we can't do it. People are huge, there's big fortified cities. They've got iron chariots. Man, we're, we're toast, we can't do it. Joshua was one of the two voices that said, no, this is what God has said. That we're going to go in and that we're going to take this land. So therefore, we don't need to be afraid. We can go. That was Joshua. And we see all those years by the side of Moses and by being a faithful man of God and seeing God's track record firsthand, he was being equipped, right? All these years were years of being equipped to be the successor of Moses. And here we see the Lord now tells Moses He's not going into the promised land, but to commission Joshua to take the one to take them into that promised land, otherwise known as the land of Canaan. The events of this book span about 25 years, and they start right around 1406 B.C. And again, this book starts with the nation of Israel moving from their 40 years of wilderness wandering into the promised land. If you're in the maps, there's a map for you to kind of show you about where the traditional site of the crossing is. And so if you look at the site of the map of Israel, right where that yellow circle is, just above the Dead Sea, is what they believe is the traditional crossing of where over a million people broke out of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness into the promised land. That's what we see happening in this moment, okay? Let's continue on. Verse three. God says here, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Make a note of that. Make a mental note right now. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised, just as I said, right, to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, the Mediterranean, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. 
No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. God said that he would give this special group of people that he selected to uniquely represent him, to uniquely experience him, right? He said to them that he was going to give them a specific area of land, a land of promise. This, this promise is referred to as the patriarchal promise first given to Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation, back in Genesis chapter 12. That was where that promise was given. And again, the primary theme of the book of Joshua is the Lord's faithfulness in fulfilling what he said, fulfilling the good promises, as we just read a minute ago in Joshua 21, of what he committed to. And so God is using Joshua's leadership of his people to give them what he promised to the patriarchs. But the Lord sovereignly giving Israel the land did not get them off the hook from actually participating in the taking of the land. They had to operate in faith and believe what God said in order to experience all that God had. Think about it this way. Jesus in Matthew 6 talks about the birds of the air and how they're not stressed, right? Have you ever seen a bird that's like stressing out? No, they're just, they're flying around, they're doing their thing. God provides for them. What a bird does not do is wake up in the morning, sit in a tree, look to the sky, and wait for a nest to just fall out of the sky and land in the tree. A bird does not just sit there with its beak open, waiting for bugs to fly in or for it to start raining worms. God provides what it needs, but the bird still has to go out and experience it, to take it. See, this is why so many Christians are struggling with God. It's like, God, I thought you were for me and not against me. I thought you had this for me. He's going, yes, but you're sitting in a tree waiting for something to happen. So yes, I'm going to provide for you, but you still got to take action. You still have to take faith. This is really important when you understand what's happened here with this promise that God has given his people. Because God's faithfulness harmonizes with human responsibility. See, God wanted his people to possess the land, but they just couldn't sit and passively wait for God to hand it over. They had to act upon God's promises. They had to act upon it. Here's what's fascinating if you've never seen this. I'm going to throw up a map here. On the map, you're going to see this large blue territory. That is roughly the land covered that was promised to the nation of Israel. That's how big Israel should be. But the little red colored portion is the current size of Israel. So is that God's fault? Did God break his promise? No. He said, that border, I have that for you. If you go back to the verse, it says, every place where your foot goes, I'm going to give that to you. Here's the boundaries. All that gap outside the red is where they decided not to walk where they decided not to go. They did not act on what God provided. God says, this is what I have for you. Go get it. And they're like, eh, we'll just take this. Those people over there, they're too big. We're scared. Eh, I'm kind of comfortable here. I don't know if I really want to go up there. It's going to be hard work. And they didn't take it. And so right now you look at Israel 
It's still, like, if you've ever had a chance, and I hope you get a chance to walk the land of Israel, phenomenal experience, going to be going again in October. This is a phenomenal experience to walk the land, teach from the book, see it in person. You're walking on a promise fulfilled. You're walking on the land given to Israel. But here's the thing. Israel's the size of New Jersey. It could be the size of Arizona and California combined. But they just did not believe and obey. So instead of just having modern-day Israel and Gaza and West Bank and Jordan and Egypt and parts of Syria and parts of Saudi Arabia and Iraq, right now, it is what it is. God fulfilled his side of the bargain. But the Israelites did not finish the job. They did not fully displace the seven pagan nations that took up root in Canaan, who eventually, by the way, because they lingered, helped contribute to Israel's slide toward idolatry, pagan god worship, their problems, their rebellion, their influence away from God, because they became comfortable with so little when God had given them so much. Let me say that again. They became so comfortable with so little when God had actually given them so much more that they could have experienced. You feel me? We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. Now, in Exodus 23, 30, God says this. He says, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. It wasn't going to be this like you're going to come in and like a, like a bunch of locusts come through all the land and get it. Little by little, little by little, little by little, you're going to have all that I have for you. Every place that your foot will tread upon, I've given you. So at this point, it was clear. God was keeping his word, but they weren't fully acting upon all that he said. All right, next verse. Look at verse 6. So God just commissions him. He just reiterates the promise. In verse 6, he says, and this is where if you're a Bible student, you've heard these words so many times. He says, be strong and courageous. This is what God is telling Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Again, doubling down. I said I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. You be strong and courageous. I'm going to use you to take the land. He says it again. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do According to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Three times, right? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's what God said. What happens in verse 10 11? Joshua acts upon it. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp, command the people, prepare the provisions for within three days. How many days? Three days. You are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Joshua acts upon what God has said. So here we see three times the Lord challenges Joshua to be strong and courageous. He's basically telling Joshua, put on your game face. Strength, courage, set your mind, set your heart, set your will to believe and to act upon what I've said. 
And God didn't simply command courage with no reason behind it. God reinforced it with a couple other qualifiers in order for him to fear not. And so uh, we look at this, and look what happens here. God connects Joshua's commitment to prioritizing and meditating on God's word to be part of his success as a leader. He's telling Joshua to obey the law, right? This is the Torah. Think about it. Joshua, at this time, did he have all of God's word? No, he just had the law. So this is probably specifically Deuteronomy, and what other written portions of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, that he had access to. But he knew it, he heard it, he had it read, he was familiar with it, and God was connecting his commitment to and prior, prioritizing to that word as part of his success. He was to obey it. He was to make God's word core to who he was and to what he was going to do. And he said he was supposed to meditate on this constantly. So this goes back, if you were here last week, uh, Pastor Brent did a good job when he talked through Jonah. And he talked about the value of in discipleship that when it comes to God's word and acting upon it, we're to hear, we're to obey, and then we're to share. And how oftentimes we just hear it, well, we decide if we're going to obey it or not, and then a lot of times we don't often share it. It doesn't come out of our mouth to others. And notice here, when you read through this portion of Joshua, it says, do not let the law depart from your, what's the word? You guys remember? Does it say heart? Don't let the word depart from your heart. Is that what it says? Not depart from your mind. Is that what it says? Depart from your mouth. That's peculiar, isn't it? Depart from your mouth. There's a speaking. He says to meditate on it day and night. Here's where we have to get um, careful because the word meditate has different connotations. In Eastern mysticism, meditation means to empty. If you've ever studied anything in Eastern you know, uh, religious circles, meditation means to, to still yourself and to empty yourself. That's the concept of meditation from Eastern mysticism. The biblical concept of meditation is actually the opposite. Yeah, be still, but instead, fill yourself. Fill yourself with God's word. Fill yourself with understanding who he is and what he said, and then meditate on that. And the word meditating there is actually an action word. It's, it's, it's this verb of, think of a cow. You're like, wait, whoa, where's this guy going? We got the wrong senior pastor. Send him back. Where's our receipt? Think of a cow chewing a cud over and over and over again to maximize the absorption of the nutrients from the grass it's eating. That is the imagery of biblical meditation, meaning that when we get into God's word, yes, we put it in our mind. Yes, we put it in our heart. But to meditate on it is to fill ourselves with God's word, and then we, we speak it. If, you've ever, if you ever go to the, to, to the wall in Israel, you'll see a, a lot of the Jewish men, they'll be doing this, and they'll be reciting scriptures. What are they doing? They're meditating on God's word. So there, there is power and there is value when we take God's word and we speak it. We pray it out loud. We memorize it. We quote it. To meditate on the law day and night is to not just quietly find a corner and, and read it and just kind of let it just, yeah, that's part of it. But it, for what? So that it can come back out. Do you know the most valuable gift you can give someone from your mouth 
is God's word. Truth. It's the most valuable verbal gift you can give. Parents, what's the most powerful verbal gift you can give your children? Do it because I said so? It's not bad, it's not wrong necessarily, but is that the best you've got? The best you can give is God's word. You want to be a good friend? I want you think about your best friends right now. You know what the best thing you guys can give each other when you're speaking? God's word. Now, you don't have to be like, well, in Habakkuk 1, verse 3, it says. <laughs> you can do that. But just when you say, you know, God says this. Remember what Jesus said? Hey, I know you're struggling right now. I know you're hurting right now. Just a reminder, God said he's going to be with you. God says that if you come to him in prayer, he'll give you peace. Like, that's, that's part of meditation. Joshua, you want to be a success? Meditate. Like, put this law, this word in you. Obey it and meditate on it day and night. And when we meditate on God's word, it reminds us of what he said. And that reinforces how faithful God is. And when we read God's word and are reminded how faithful God is, then that increases our courage and strength. And when our courage and strength increase, then we act out our faith differently. Some of us lack courage and strength in the Lord because we're not in his word. And we're not confident in God because we're not regularly reminding ourselves how faithful God is by looking at it in his word over and over and over again. Being in God's word reminds us of who God is, what he said, and his track record and his faithfulness. Are you regularly in God's word? For those of you who find yourself oftentimes scrolling on your devices, we all do it because there's just something that's gravitational about that to us. We get stuck and five minutes becomes 30 minutes really fast and we realize we've squandered a lot of our life and time but what if, in the course of one week, you took 25% of that time, and instead of scrolling, you were actually in God's Word? 25%, 10%, 20%. Would, that, would our lives look different? Would our times in God's Word look different? So are you regularly, hopefully daily, in God's Word? If you're not, I encourage you to get a Bible reading plan. Uh, if you don't have one, one I'll just recommend right now. It's called the Bible Recap. It's the one I'm doing right now. It's pretty robust, but I love this thing because it takes you into some Old Testament, some New Testament. Uh, there's a free podcast. It goes along each day. This, the, the one who put this together, Tara Lee Cobble, she's got a quick like five to seven minute verbal recap of what you just read. She brings some extra insights. She th- you know, offers some ideas on how to apply. It's called the Bible Recap. You can go to thebiblerecap.com. You can get a printout of what verses are each day. Uh, tomorrow starts brand new in, in 1 Kings chapter 1. So you're not really missing out, like jumping into the middle of a book. So there'll be some readings in 1 Kings. There'll be some readings in Psalms. And then you can look at that. You can pick a verse to recite and pray back out to the Lord. You can journal. If you need help with that, like you're like, I don't know how to do that. Talk to me. Talk to one of our staff. Talk to a strong Christian family member or friend. Say, hey, like, hey, I need to up my game with this whole like Bible reading thing. Can you help me? Like push aside your pride and say, like, I need help. We'd love to help you take that next step. All right. This charge to be strong and courageous would have been daunting were it not for a couple key components. The first, God's presence. Think about what God just said. You're going to take this million plus people, cross the river into a new land. 
You're going to be the agent of the fulfillment of my promise, and uh, I need you to be strong and courageous. Don't forget to obey. Don't forget to meditate on the word. By the way, I'm going to be with you. Isn't that comforting? Like, I'm not going to just send you out. I'm not just going to boot you out and tell you to do it. Like, I'm going to go with you. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord's abiding presence is a key to the strength and the courage that he's going to have to live out. There's an echo here. Like, that's God's theme. Often he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. I'm not just going to tell you what to do. I'm going to be with you as you try to do it. We think about the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, right? Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, and, lo, I will be with you. With you. Like, I'm not just giving you a mission and, like, hey, tell me how it goes. I'm going to be with you as you're trying to live it out. That's what we're seeing here. Now, if you were to simply summarize the chapter and the remaining verses, what you see is this. God tells Joshua what to do. Joshua tells the leaders what to do. And the leaders tell Joshua that they're going to do it. I'll let you read the rest of chapter 1 on your own. Here's the thing. So what? Okay, great. What, what are we going to do with what we've read? Well, outlook determines outcome. So how big is God to you? If, you're, if you've got big problems but a little God, you're in trouble. If that's your outlook. But if you've got a big God, then your problems look a little smaller. Outlook determines outcome. How big is God? What's he capable of doing? What has he said? What has he promised? How are you acting on his promises? How are you holding on to what he said? Alan Redpath in his book, Victorious Christian Living, a study through Joshua, says this, Surely the state of the church must be a sorrow to the heart of God. In spite of Calvary, in spite of the empty tomb, in spite of an ascended Lord, in spite of Pentecost, the majority of Christians perish in indulgence, worldliness, and sin. Saved, but as the Apostle Paul says, as by fire. Man, how big's God? What kind of church, what kind of community are we going to be? Now look, our challenges are different than Joshua's. Our battles are different than Joshua's. Our adversaries are different than Joshua's. The ground you have to gain in your life, in your family's life, the ground we have to gain as a church family is different than Joshua's. But our call to be strong and courageous, God's expectation of us to have faith in who he is and what he said is the same. Even though our battles look very different. Alan Redpath again said this, God desires every one of his children to press in against the assault of the enemy that we may lay hold of that which is our inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that every foe we shall ever meet in battle already has been met and conquered by our Joshua. We're not alone. We don't have to be afraid. And so our time in Joshua these next few months should increase our faith as believers in Christ. And it should help us enjoy all that God has for us in loving Christ and living for Christ. 
All right, a couple quick reminders, and then I just want to share a couple more things. Uh, one, don't forget, read the chapter before you show up. This will be on our social media, uh, and this will be available in a hard copy. You can stick it in your Bible or somewhere where you can see what's coming up. Again, Joshua 21.45 is a reminder that all of this book is about God. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel had failed. It all came to pass. So our level of strength, our level of courage to take on the challenges of life depends on the confidence of God. Because that courage we need, it's not self-confident. We're not being self-confident. We're being God-confident. And by the way, whenever you read through the scriptures, you've got to look for the big message, the big gospel. Here's one example. You might not know this. So when you look at the book of Joshua, you've got people leaving the old to the new. God's representative to take them from the old to the new is Joshua. The word Joshua in Hebrew is Yeshua. It means God saves. That Hebrew word in Greek is Isus, Translated into English is Jesus. Jesus is Yeshua. God saves. This is where we see God on purpose go, look, I'm going to have someone named God saves take people out of the old slavery, wilderness, and move them to a place of new life and newness. We have come to faith in Yeshua, Christ. He saves. And he, when you come to Christ, he takes you out of slavery and bondage and sin and moves you to newness. Like it's, it's, it's amazing when you look at the parallels that God has there. And so Jesus is our Joshua. And he takes us from the old to the new. And he frees us. By the way, when Joshua was commissioned, he came to the people and he said, in how many days are we going to experience the new? Remember from earlier? Three days. Pack up camp. We're out of here in three days. Our Joshua changed everything. How many days? Three. Must be just sheer coincidence, huh? Must just be accident. God knows what he's doing. One reminder that struck me is this. The land boundaries. I looked at all that God promised and all that they decided to take. And I look at my life and I go, how many opportunities have I missed? How much growth have I missed out on? How many lessons have I not learned because I settled for so little when Christ has given me so much more? And so I hope that encourages you too. Like, what does God have for you? And we're not talking about worldly success. This is not prosperity gospel, name it and claim it. This is like Christ has given us the fullness of a new life. Are we experiencing it or not? Are we settling for so much less than God has for us? He has promised those who believe a flourishing, influential, victorious life in Christ. Here was another conviction that hit me personally that meditate on God's word morning and night. It's very important to me to try to spend time with God every morning. I don't hit that mark every morning. But I look at my night routine. I go, I don't do that very well. And, and there's been so many times I've read this passage before, and I'm like, okay, I spend time with the Lord in the morning, but, but what do I fill my mind and heart, and, and what do I give my energy to at the end? What if instead of a TV show, what if instead of, scrolling? What if instead of cleaning and doing chores, 
just the last few minutes before my head hits the pillow, I read a psalm. Or I revisit a verse I read earlier in the morning. And I come back to it. Just double down on it before I go to bed. I wonder what would happen to my mind, my heart, my life, my relationships if I up my game and meditate day and night. It's not something God put on my heart. How about you? From our time together today, what stood out to you? What did God impress on your heart? How did God encourage you? How did God convict you? How did God challenge you? And, more importantly, what's the action step you sense God wanting you to take in light of this time? What a waste if you and I show up here together and leave here doing nothing different, being no different than we are right now. We're going to have a response time that we want to offer you. We're going to spend some time in worship. Aaron and the team are going to lead us here. After the service, if you would like to take whatever God's stirring in you and put some action to it, uh, we have a prayer group over here in the corner that's available to pray for you, tell you what it means to, to have a relationship with Christ, and help you take next steps toward that. If you've never given your life to Christ, that's your first step. To understand more about this one who saves who frees, who gives new life, new life to us. And so if that's a conversation you want to have, talk to me after service, talk to any of our staff, anyone with a lanyard, our prayer group. We'd love to help you take whatever step God has for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. You're faithful, God. We can be courageous because of who you are. We can be courageous because of what you've done. We can believe what you've said. In fact, right now, I just want to give you about 30 seconds. Would you just talk to the Lord? Let's just not talk about God, but talk to God. Would you just spend about 30 seconds with the Lord? Would you thank him for his faithfulness in your life? Maybe confess where you have not been faithful back to him. Would you just take some time and talk to the Lord here just for a minute? Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.